This is DeRay Olalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 177. Cowabunga! Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What is going on, good people? Welcome to a brand new installment of the Before the Millions podcast. I'm your host, DeRay Olalaye, and uh, we have a super jam-packed episode in store for you guys today. Hope you're doing well. This is a brand new year, 2021. Hope your year is off to a great start. You know, I think about the different ways that a singer or a songwriter or a musician, a rapper can monetize themselves. I mean, it's pretty hard starting out, I imagine, as an unknown singer. But as you start to gain traction, you start to see more and more opportunity, even sometimes just based off of a single song. Right. And you see many of the most successful people in that industry, how they diversify their income, but they stay true to exactly what they're doing, even with just, again, one song. Right. So you have like the sales of CDs and vinyls and things of that nature. You know, you got all the streaming platforms online and they're making money from digital uh, downloads. You got the live shows, right? I know a lot of rappers in which concerts are their bread and butter and without concerts, they'd literally be flat broke. And you got those private, you know, like those house concerts, those private concerts for high wealth individuals. You maybe got live shows online. Then, you know, then you got physical merchandise, right? Kanye and Travis Scott do that really, really well. You got digital merchandise and some of the more savvy singers and rappers. I mean, they're creating these subscription models where they're giving subscribers early access to their music, merch discounts, subscriber-only shows, all types of stuff. You got a VIP fan experience sometimes, right? Where you, you have like that, that badge and you're able to go backstage. And, you know, again, this is more revenue for the singers and songwriters. You got royalties from public performances. You got royalties from digital performances. You got royalties from live performances. And let's not talk about just being paid to show up, right? We call this hosting a club or an event. You got licensing fees, you got Facebook and Instagram monetization. You got YouTube sponsorships, music grants, doing some session work for another singer slash songwriter. You got songwriting and composing. You got music lessons. See, all these things happen as a byproduct of their initial goal, of their initial business, of that 
one song or that one album, right? And they start to build an ecosystem around themselves, their brand, their products and services. So today's guest, Mr. Kent Clothier, has done the same thing in the real estate niche. And I've seen many, many successful real estate entrepreneurs have a similar path. Before Kent got into real estate in his 20s, he grew a $1.8 billion grocery business. $1.8 billion. And he subsequently got kicked out of the business. I think he said he fought for almost two years trying to get back what was his. But ultimately, he failed at that. His first year out of the gate, he completely changed industries and jumped into the real estate niche and started wholesaling. And he did over $1 million gross revenue his first year. His company today has flipped over 5,000 properties and they manage another 5,000. But what really impressed me about Kent's story was the ecosystem that he's been able to build around real estate investing. So on today's show, we're going to talk about how he's built this ecosystem, how he has multiple streams of income, and they all derive from the one thing that he does, invest in real estate. As a byproduct of being successful, other people want to emulate what you're doing. They want the blueprint. They want you to help them get to where you've gotten. And Kent realized that earlier on. So he started doing live events. He started doing coaching. He started hosting masterminds. He started creating software and yet again has another billion dollar business. So we're going to talk about Kent's ecosystem here on today's show. Hope you guys are excited and thrilled that we're diving into yet another super, super successful entrepreneur's journey and how they built their business so that we could emulate these same processes. We'll get a little bit into some strategy as well, such as wholesaling and reverse wholesaling and um, Kent's new favorite, which is buying up seller notes. So uh, make sure you stay tuned for that. And that's actually a good segue into our giveaway. So many of you guys know that I use PropStream for about 80% of the operations in my business. And of course, you can do the same as well from actually generating these lists that you need to pull to start getting your wholesale deals done or start buying your rentals or start buying these seller notes, right? From generating all types of lists of pre-foreclosures, vacants, liens, and much, much more. But it also vets the properties. It calculates rehab costs. It houses all of your marketing tools, such as postcards, emails, voicemail drops, all that stuff. Well, I have news for you because if if you've been using PropStream or you've been thinking about using PropStream, or this is actually your first time hearing about this powerful software and you're like, dude, I need to use it ASAP. We're doing a giveaway and it's not just any giveaway to where, hey, are you get a one month free trial or seven day free trial, but we're actually doing a massive giveaway and The value of this giveaway is legit $1,200 because PropStream costs about $100 a month. I pay $100 a month for PropStream. But if you follow the three steps that I'm about to lay out for you, you'll be entered into our giveaway where you'll get an entire year, not a month, but an entire year's access to PropStream for free. So you'll make your account and we'll automatically drop a 12 month credit in your account, meaning that you get to use PropStream for an entire year. I wish, guys, I seriously wish that I could enter into this giveaway myself and save 1200 bucks this next year. But it's a giveaway that we're doing for you guys, whether you're a new user or you're an existing user. If this is something that you're interested in, here's what you have to do. Number one, head over to your podcasting directory, whether that's iTunes that's Spotify, that's Google Play, it's Pocket Cast, whatever it is, head over to your iTunes directory where you're listening to this show right now. 
and leave us a rating and review. So that's step one. Step two, take a screenshot of said rating and review. Step three, email that screenshot to info at beforethemillions.com with the subject line giveaway. So step one, leave us a rating and review. Step two, screenshot said review. And step three, email info at beforethemillions.com with the subject line giveaway to be automatically entered into our prop stream. One year's full access where you again can generate all your leads lists. You can start betting your properties, running comps. You'll have MLS level data. You'll have tax info, title. And then here's the cherry on top. We're going to not have one, but two winners. So we're doubling your chance of winning a full year's access to PropStream. Now, this giveaway ends March 31st, 2021. So make sure to get your submissions in. And yes, I said submissions because I will count multiple submissions if you submit a review on multiple platforms. So there's a cheat code right there. And again, if you're listening to this episode after March 31st, 2021, most likely we're going to make this an annual thing. So you're always going to be able to do this and enter this giveaway. But for those of you who are listening to my voice now, before the giveaway ends, head over to your podcasting directory, commit to steps one, two, and three, and we'll announce the winners the week after the giveaway ends. So with that being said, let's get to the show. And now your feature presentation. Well, I I can remember from, quite frankly, some of my earliest memories of of believing that I was different and I was different than just about anybody else around me. I never saw myself as being, you know, like anybody else. Um, And that was probably, you know, kind of bred into me. My father was an entrepreneur, you know, and and was, um, I got to see a lot of what it looked like to, to build businesses from the ground up and to kind of be that guy. And so clearly, you know, started kind of modeling what I saw inside of my father um, and went after it. And so I can remember very, very early thinking that I was different, that I was not cut out to go to work for anybody, that I had to go and do my own thing. I mean, I started uh, my first real business when I was 17. Prior to that, I had a lot of, uh, you know, I had a lot of smaller businesses that um, I was doing kind of odd stuff, you know, I owned a fax machine business in my, when I was a teenager, I owned a t-shirt business when I was a teenager, stuff that I was, I always had that entrepreneurial thing going on. And then when I was 17, I started a, uh, a business with my father that ended up being a, turning into a quite large business. It was an arbitrage business which we were buying and selling truckloads of groceries. So to your, uh, to your question, I, I don't know that I've ever not thought about, um, being an entrepreneur or being, you know, somebody that was not cut out to go and work nine to five. Now I know that that's a huge gift because I know most of the people that I'll hear this are, are, you know, have at some level probably working for some job right now and, and are working for an employer. And I know that not everybody is given that gift at an early age. So I ter- totally appreciate it. But now looking back, I realize how big of a gift that really was. Absolutely. You know, I think about my journey can't end. Um, you know, I remember maybe in, in 2015, 2016, and I, I can't recall, I know you have a brother, maybe, maybe a few brothers, but, um, I went to one of you guys' conferences in Dallas and, um, it was the first time I ever heard of Jesse Itzler and I ever, ever, ever got in contact with him. I was like, man, this is probably like the coolest person on the planet. Right. Um, but I remember just seeing how you guys ran stuff and how you guys did things. And again, this is when I was first starting out on my journey. I remember being a, a big four accountant. 
I just hated my job. I was like, I got to get out of here. And I started researching, Googling different things. And I, I finally decided what I wanted to do. And I say I decided, which I really didn't. And you'll, you'll come to discover that. But I started eight businesses that year. That same year I went to your conference, I started eight businesses. Um, maybe two, about two of them were in real estate. I started, I just did anything. I needed to, to get out of the corporate life. So um, I did a ton of different things. And I figured everybody says build passive income, build these different streams of income. The average millionaire has eight to 12 or 10 streams of income. So how do I do all these things? I want to do everything at the same time. I didn't understand what passive income was, how to build it, how to systematically go about the process of doing that. But again, as I watched you guys and as I watched my mentor and many other people in the space, I realized that what I was doing was completely wrong. I wasn't building an ecosystem of different things that I could create passive income and leverage. I was expending my time. I was doing more than I actually had it. There was more output than input. Like it was just, I was drained. And by the end of that year, I had zero dollars. I was broke. And fast forward a few years, I kind of realized that building an ecosystem is so much more than what I was doing. Like when I finally decided to get mentorship and, and really realized like the true worth and potential in real estate and what I could do and how I could bless others and myself, that's when things kind of really change. So I want to talk about, can I want to talk about, I mean, 1.2 or 1.8 at this point, billion dollars. Like that, that's, 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 I look at that as value, right? I don't look at that as money. I look at that as how much value you've put out into this world. How have you been able to do that? So when I think about the eight different businesses that I started and they all failed and then slowly, but surely, I decided that I wanted to build an ecosystem like my mentors, right? I saw what my mentors were doing. I started investing in real estate. Then I realized, all right, well, I'm already investing in real estate. Why not record this? Why not show people what I'm doing? All right, cool. I started doing group coaching. And I realized with group coaching, wow, this is really dope. People are really getting transformational results. Why don't I go ahead and take all these recordings and create a course? I created a course. I was like, wait, I want to get this out to more people, create a podcast so that more people can hear about the message and know exactly what to do and what's going on. Now, the podcast, again, this is all an ecosystem in one thing. And the podcast now has affiliate revenue and all these different partnerships and revenue streams that I would have never thought about. But now that I think about building eight streams of income, I understand the process. I understand what I should have done. And I'm doing those things now. But again, it, it, it came with turmoil. It came with not understanding, it came with figuring things out. It came with sleeping on the couch. It came with being dead broke. Now, the next stage, again, for me, is like, all right, well, how do I build a bigger ecosystem? How do I affect more people? How do I get to where Kent is? So when I think about your ecosystem and what you've been able to build, I mean, what did it start with? And how did you understand, all right, this is done. This is complete, or this is at a viable place. It's now time to move on to the next thing. I want to hear about your before the millions or really the before the billion story as to how everything kind of came together. Because I don't think that you thought exactly how you thought when you were 17 and you had all those different various businesses. I think you focused and then you moved and then you focused and then you moved. Can you kind of break down how the process started? Uh, yeah, so, so, you know, we built a really large business in the grocery industry and then ultimately <laughs> I walked away from that, right? That's the $1.8 billion a year business we had built. Um, and it wasn't serving me anymore. And me and my partners were just not on good terms. So I needed to move on. And ultimately that talk brought me into real estate, but I started just like everybody else did, right? It's easy to get enamored um, with trying to go and create all these different income streams, as you pointed out, et cetera. The reality of the situation is that the vast majority of people are just tired of being broke. They're tired of uh, you know not having a nest egg. They're tired of working for somebody else. They're tired of 
whatever it is, right? They're exhausted from the, from the grind. And so they want to figure out how to just go create income. And I'm no different. That's exactly what I was doing. I, I started in the business trying to wholesale properties and was very successful at it very, very early. Uh, my first year and a half, I flipped the 91 properties and made over a million dollars. Um, and I was, you know, I was, I was hooked on the income side of it, but growing your income versus growing your wealth are two vastly different things. Uh, and the, the, the natural progression for me was that I was much more focused on time than I was anything else. And I found that to be extremely beneficial to me that I want my time. I want my money working while I'm sleeping. I want to be able to do what I'm doing when I want to do it. I do not want to, I want to be able to use leverage and take advantage of, of other people's desires to succeed in, and what they're trying to accomplish with their own life systems, processes, all those kind of good things. And so, you know, going back to that time, I was a one man show flipping houses. I hired an assistant. She started helping me, but I, but I still did not have any kind of real processes in place whatsoever. Uh, and so I started using the same methodologies that I had used in the grocery industry. I started using in the real estate industry, a term that we uh, call reverse wholesaling, where we just kind of work, start with the end in mind. We understand exactly what a customer wants. We bring value to them by going and only creating properties uh, and opportunities that we know we can sell to them. Now, why would we do that? Well, because it creates a predictable outcome. It allows the entire process to move exponentially faster. So if I automatically know what the output is going to be on the other side, and all I have to do is go put the ingredients in, and I know I'm always going to get this result. The buyers have always told me I will buy this house in this neighborhood, this price point, bedrooms, baths, buy, get me this, and, I, and if I can bring it to them on a silver platter, they will buy it each and every time. That takes half the equation out, which saves you an enormous amount of time, Right. Now, all, I, all my efforts and energies are systematizing and creating processes to just go create that outcome over and over. Um, so in doing that, effectively, what I was, you know, was very self-serving. All I cared about was, again, make as much money as I can, but ultimately do it with as little time, effort, and energy as possible so I could focus on my, my family and my kids. Um, but in that entire process, what I was developing were, you know, again, strategies and techniques and trainings and things that actually ultimately put in the hands of you know over 50,000 people now have also changed their lives. I wasn't doing that. That wasn't the intention. It was about me. It wasn't about them. But uh, you know, when you're doing something of value and people are recognizing um, that, oh my God, you're doing something completely different than anybody else is doing. And again, just try to break it down for the listener. What I was doing is I would go out and I would talk to every single cash buyer in my market. I would go and I would find them by going in through public records and searching for people who just bought a house, but they didn't record a mortgage. Deductive reasoning. If you bought a house, you don't record a mortgage, you pay cash. So I was doing all this manual labor to find these people. And then I would do outreach to them. And in the process of getting them, I would nurture and build relationships with them. So I effectively had this uh, all of my buyers effectively and all of my money were in these relationships. I didn't have to work real hard anymore. All I could just focus all the attention on the other side, which in real estate is completely different than anybody else is taught to do it. They're taught to go find a deal and hope that somebody will come along and buy it from them if it's the right price. No, hope was never part of my strategy at all. I knew every time. And it was the same thing I'd done in the grocery industry that helped build almost a $2 billion company. So 
I knew it would work. And in the process of doing that, as I said, you know, coming, you go down the line a couple of years and now all of a sudden the recession comes in. And when the recession comes in, a couple of things happen. The market completely shifts and it is a credit driven, real estate driven crash. And so most of my competitors were out of business. And the largest reason they were out of business is because they were selling to people who needed credit. I, because of what I'd done, none of those buyers were my buyers. All my buyers had cash. And when there's blood in the streets, they're rushing in. So my business takes off, skyrockets. Uh, and as it takes off, and as we're doubling, tripling right through the recession, people are like, what, what the heck are you doing? How is, it, how is this even possible? Uh, and one thing leads to another. Before you know it, people are asking me, probably just like you, hey, will you train me? Will you show me? Will you help me understand exactly what you're doing? And I'm just handing the playbook. You know, here's exactly how I do it step by step, but I'll even make it easier for you. I have a piece of software by this time that'll go and scrape all the data from for you out of public record and just make it easy for all this research. You don't have to go to the courthouse. You don't have to go to the to the, the clerk's office. You don't have to do any of that stuff. I'll just give you the data and you can just go make it happen for yourself. So here I am in the real estate business. Suddenly I'm in the training business and now I'm also in the software business. Mm. All by virtue of me just solving my own internal biggest challenges over and over and over. And as I'm solving those challenges, I'm sharing people my journey, uh, much like you are, about how I'm solving them. And the ecosystem is beginning to evolve, right? So if I can now in the software business, well, if I can show you how to, I can systematically create software that will go and find every cash buyer in the United States. Well, I can do the same thing with private lenders. I can do the same thing with vacant properties. I can do it. So, so suddenly now, Inside of the software, I have at that point, I had three different income streams because there are three very specific problems in real estate buyer, seller's money. And I was solving all of them. Uh, and the training side real, of it. Real, real quick, Kent, is this something that you were trained to look out for, like opportunity? Or is it, is it something that was, was just innate? Like, again, I, I see it was I just innate. It. it was just innate. It was just what was happening was I was getting pulled on. Uh, people around me, uh, at a national level, we're taking notice that there's this one guy down in South Florida that just seems to be smoking everybody and asking me to speak and talk about it and come, hey, can you come talk to my, my, my club, my audience, whatever the case may be? Can you just share with people what you're doing? Because it makes a lot of logical sense. And again, that path was extremely organic. It was nothing I went looking for. It was nothing I was trying to do. Um, when I first started in the real estate space, um, I quickly realized that I needed to have a brand, you know, take one step back and, and realized I needed to have some kind of branding to get to deals faster. So I started the company called 1-800-SELL-NOW. I, I went and bought a vanity number. It wasn't that hard, right? And I started using it. And then I quickly figured out that the only place that, that number I needed it for was in South Florida. But you know what? That number works all over North America. So maybe I can get people around the country to license the brand, that number for me. And then sure enough, you know, I had several hundred people that were licensing a phone number from me um, at that, that particular point. That kind of gave me a little bit of a reputation why people would take notice of me, you know, down the line. Um, just because I, I, you know, I had customers that were all over the country while I was, and they weren't really customers. I was letting them use my phone number, right? It was flipping a switch on a computer screen that said, hey, they're calling from Pensacola, Florida, send it to that number. They call from Dallas, Texas, send it to, it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't even call it a business back then. It was more of just a, a way of 
um, making lemonade out of lemons, right? I had a, I had a number that I needed for three counties and there were 3000 counties in the United States. So maybe I could get some other people to pay me for it. Right. It's that simple. Um, and so that gave me a little bit of an audience. And so as they've, as my audience kind of understood that my business was exploding, then suddenly now they were, the chatter was happening. Like, Oh my God, somebody has got to pay attention to this guy. This guy's really crushing it. And now like I said, I'm getting pulled. People are like, hey, show me, show me, show me, show me, show me. And before I, before I even realized, quite frankly, what even happened, um, you know, suddenly I'm getting asked to speak on stages. I'm getting asked to travel around the country and talk about it. None of this I went looking for. Again, all of it was organic. Um, what I cared about was buying and selling houses. What I cared about was not being broke. What I cared about was being with my family. Um, and so these tools that I had created were all internal. They were not intended for outside consumption. It just so happened in every case that has worked for me. Again, I created a brand 1-800-SELL-NOW for me and then found that others may use it. I created software that would help me create leads and then found that it also works everywhere in the country. I created training that worked for me and systems and processes and then found that it's, you know, worked everywhere else. So I think, you know, a huge part of this entire process in my particular journey is solve big problems inside of your business. Um, I mean, you just alluded to it, right? And I don't know anything about your story outside of what you just shared, but the reality of it is, is that if you're seeing that when you're solving problems for yourself, there are other people's around, people around you that will pay attention and will, um, you know, bring value to your life as you bring value to your, uh, to theirs, right? It's through coaching and mentorship and all these other things. Um, the, the, the opportunities have a tendency to reveal themselves very quickly, if you're just focused on solving the problems inside of your own core businesses first. And again, so mine was marketing, then it was leads, then it was systems and processes. And next thing I know now, I'm in the coaching business as well. And these things are just stacking, right? And now, and then there's the boardroom mastermind that we stacked on top of that. And then it was, we opened our, you know, uh, funding operations that would fund all of my customers. And oh, by the way, while all this is going on, our investing business over here is exploding going in an, an enormous, it, the exact same thing is happening inside of that ecosystem. So what is happening over there is, hey, we're wholesaling you houses. But when we wholesale you houses, we want, to, we want you to buy houses from us faster. So why don't we go solve the problem of getting you contractors, getting you property management, getting you all these things, kind of grease the gears. And before we knew it, we had turned it into a, what is now affectionately called a turnkey operation. Back then, it was nothing, right? That term didn't even exist. Um, but it was all, that was all about getting the customer to buy from us, you know, trying to shorten the sales cycle because what was happening, the problem that we were solving again, solving problems inside of our own business is I would sell you a house. You're sitting in Dallas, Texas. I'm sitting in Memphis, Tennessee. You're trying to buy an income property in Memphis, Tennessee. And suddenly you're like, well, I bought this great deal from Kent. Now from 500 miles away, I need to go get somebody to go rehab the house. And then when that's done, I need to go find somebody who can find me a renter and put and property manage the whole thing for you. Um, and so what would take us 30 days to do was taking our customers nine months to do. Yeah. So wait, Hey, here's a, here's an idea. How about we just go do that stuff for them and make them buy from us faster. Was, again, very self-serving. We were just trying to get, we were trying to keep the customers moving. Right. Um, and then ultimately you look up. Do, do you think, do you think that, uh, I know that you say that, uh, uh, tongue in cheek, but do you think that that is a philosophy that you're 
you're you're stating to abide by or i know it, it's kind of how things unfolded for you but now looking back on things you know hindsight is 2020 um and the listeners are kind of looking at this to, well how can they accentuate and build and grow their business and you did all of your things it sounds like from a self-serving point of view but again you were helping and serving so many people so i don't see it like that well, but people but, i mean the, the idea is uh, i mean how many you can never anticipate or i, I believe it's extremely challenging to anticipate uh, what the customer will, I mean, take a step back, just think of it like this. There are several million apps on the app store uh, in, in a, you know, hundreds and hundreds of social media platforms. Why did TikTok blow up in the last two years? Is, is there any reasonable explanation that you and I could look at? And the reality of it is, is no. This, we, none of us can really explain why this worked versus that didn't, right? And happens all over. You know, why did why did MySpace go down and Facebook exploded? Why the you know? And it just it. I think. Have you, have, to, you, have you heard about Clubhouse? Yes, I have. And trying and trying to understand, quite frankly, what's going to be the next big thing, I think, is a ma- massively waste massive waste of time. Yeah. Because anticipating what the masses want or what want is is I mean, who was it? Um, God, who was it? Uh, Kratzenberg that just had the um, the video platform that they invested a billion and a half dollars in the mobile video platform that didn't even make it sixty days. Right. Um, right, really, really, really smart people all over the world are are trying to do that kind of shit, and they're not very good at it. Right. Um, you know, they're guessing. The venture capitalists—it's one out of every forty things they fund actually turns into something great. So, what makes you or I or anybody else that's listening to this think we're any better? A better philosophy might be. One, lay out your plan or lay out the end game. Hey, this is where I want to get to. Let's keep it simple. I want to get to a place where I'm making $100,000 a month. All right. How are we going to get that accomplished? Right. Well, I'm going to start a wholesaling business, right, to create active income. And then I'm going to take down a few passive properties along the way. You know, and it's a two-year plan, whatever the case may be. And along those way, as you're solving problems, then building Again, there's no reason to go be a trailblazer. Building uh, the ecosystem around that that helps you to what I what I like to tell people is your transaction, your thing triggers another transaction in the world. It always does. An example: when you buy a house, what happens next? Uh, you have title work. Um, you have attorney's fees. You have closing fees. You have courier fees. You have FedEx fees. You have um, you know, insurance, you have inspections, you have direct TV that gets installed, the movers, that one thing you did kicks off about 20 other things in a two week period. And so if you're thinking about it and you're looking for a natural place to go to try to create multiple income streams, well, one natural place to go is let me solve my problem first. Let me lay out a plan that I can go and create my, in, you know, create, address the gap in my income first. But along the way, as I'm solving the problems, I'm going to understand that my transaction is triggering others and are there places there for me to play, right? Can I get a piece of the title insurance? Can I get a piece of the insurance company? Can I get a piece? What are, what are these things that ultimately I can- How, how well is Amazon doing this? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Amazon goes out. Think about it. It's a great example. Amazon goes out and builds AWS, not for anybody, not for outside consumption at all. These are this server farm, this, this can- Computing power is to run Amazon. That is what it is designed to do. 
And it is the infrastructure is so powerful and so well managed and so well designed that they then start letting others use it. Right. And now AWS is the most profitable section of Amazon, their servers, the outside technology that they allow other people, including us. We run all our stuff on AWS servers. Um, Netflix runs on AWS. Parts of Apple run on AWS. I mean, there's all kinds. I mean, it's it's you're turning your expenses into income by doing that kind of stuff. Right. There's things you're good at that people will pay you. Um, that you would, you know, a great one inside of real estate is, hey, if you've got a great transaction coordination team or you have a great acquisitions team or you have a great call floor, right, who, do, who does amazing when they're doing outbound sales calls, other people will pay you to use those services. There's an income stream yeah. right now, today. Um, would, you, would you say that these are some of the primary questions or or maybe a bulk of the the concerns inside of maybe a mastermind such as the one you're part of or some of the ones that you were in? Yeah, I think that that inside of masterminds, the questions, um, you know, the conversations are different. None of the masterminds I'm in are we talking about transactional stuff. That is for sure. Um, we're talking about wealth building. We're talking about where the opportunities are. We're talking about where the market's going. Where what are so? I'll give you a really good example. As we sit here and talk today, right now, the single biggest opportunity in real estate. Both, both passively and actively would be in seller financed notes going off and creating buying properties and um, selling those properties with seller financing in place. Now, the reason why that is, is it all is backed up by data. Everybody said, why the hell would you do that? Right. The market's wide hot. Well, the market's not going to be hot for very much longer. Um, the lending has gotten uh, highly, highly, highly restrictive. Um, if you or I, right self-employed, you know, entrepreneurs, great credit, good money, all kinds of stuff. It, the, the vast majority of us that would fall into that category, in February, we could have gotten a loan. Right now, the vast majority of us can't, right? They've taken 35% of the borrowers just in the last six months, 35% of the borrowers have been taken out of the market. So we all see the headlines that all of them, you know, Clickbait headlines, oh, mortgage rates are at all time low, or all times low, get in there. Okay, well, cool, that's all happening. In the same exact time, the pool that they of, of availability, the people that they will actually lend the money to, has shrank by 35%. So then you go look at what Fannie and Freddie just talked about last week that Fannie and Freddie released data saying that this year alone they anticipate writing $4.1 trillion in, in loans. Next year, two and a half trillion. The year after that, 2.2 trillion. So Fannie and Freddie sees loans going like this. Well, if, the if they're pulling back all of the money, they're not going to originate the loans. They're going to make it harder for credit to get out the door. Then it's pretty natural to figure out that there's going to be a lot of really, really, really good borrowers who want to buy houses, who want to move, who want to do these things, and they will never be able to get the financing. So there's your opportunity. Step in and buy the houses and you can acquire houses right now with seller financing in place and turn around and effectively arbitrage the deal and sell it with seller financing in place, wrap the mortgage. That's a huge opportunity for people right now. And it's where a lot of people should be focused. Those are the conversations that take place inside of the masterminds I'm in is thinking about very strategically on how to help a lot of people, but equally how to uh, create an enormous amount of wealth. I mean, just do the math, break out a financial calculator and see what it looks like to go earn you know, $300 a month in free flowing cash flow um, 
for the next 30 years, right? On a 30 year mortgage, right? Um, and you will be astonished at the compound effect of that money, right? It is just staggering. And so when you go put, uh, you know, a hundred of those in place in the next two or three years, it'll just be life changing for you. Just change your life. Guys, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta take this last four minute bit and just rewind it, take notes, rewind it again and take some more notes because I think it's the wave. And I absolutely love that, that this is something that you guys are looking in and these higher level masterminds. When you, when you think about the, the individual just getting started, do you still think in 2020, 2021 that wholesaling is the best way to get started and just kind of use that knowledge and that experience to leapfrog into maybe um, a little bit more creative financing or whatever path an individual wants to go? One hundred and one hundred and fifty percent. Now more than ever, quite frankly, it is it is honestly never been easier to get into wholesaling than it is right now. Um, If you think about it, when I got started in this industry, you know, I'm the guy that created the cash buyer data feeds. I created the private lender data feeds. I created the vacant property data feeds, right? None of that existed before I got here. Now, if you're in real estate, everybody and their brother's got some kind of you know, data component, the new software, new widget, new whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, you, if you're sitting in Akron, Ohio, and you are educated enough to, to understand and this is part of what I walk people through when I do my, you know, my find and flip challenges. People are just shocked that, that here's the reality of it. And I'll just give you the synopsis. Over the course of those five days, what I show people is that if you'll just think about it logically and say, what are the markets that are getting hit tremendously right now? Probably harder than, than most because there, there are a lot. You know, the distress exists in any market. But in this particular time uh, during COVID, there's a lot of markets that are getting hit exponentially harder than others. A really good example that would be someplace like Las Vegas. Um, you know, Las Vegas' entire business model is let's get large groups of people together in one city, get them into big rooms, and go to gamble with them, go to nightclubs, go to day clubs, go to restaurants, go shopping, go, you know, and that whole city is just getting crushed right now. Well, that has a ripple effect. And as a, the ripple effect of that means that there will be distress in the housing market. And I show people. That, okay, if I know I'm sitting in Akron, Ohio, and that there's now software that I can go in a matter of a a couple of minutes, I can go in there and see what are the highest, what are the zip codes where all of the cash buyers are buying, who the cash buyers are, what price they're paying, how to mail them, how to email them, how to hit what their phone number. I can tell you to the zip code, the exact place where everybody is focused, and then immediately go and market to those people. And my phones can be ringing in seven days with people who have money and saying, I want to buy some more in that zip code. Can you help me? I mean, we've never had that in the history of real estate. That's never, that opportunity's never existed. And you can, we've never been in a place and a time where people can lock up phones over, I mean, lock up houses over the phone reasonably. But COVID, that's actually probably the preferred way. People are like, yeah, you know, if you don't need to see it, what are the numbers? Walk me through it to give me, break out the video camera on your phone and kind of show me around. I mean, we live in this place where doing things in a virtual environment now are very, very reasonable and happening every single day. And equally, you can go on the other side, right? Um, the same kind of data. Once you understand who the buyers are and they're talking to you, go right back into those exact same zip codes. And as I mentioned, go and immediately pull a list of show me every vacant property, every out-of-state owner that owns a property in that zip code, every foreclosure in there, every expired listing in the MLS, every, you know, the data and the tools that are right in front of us now. Um, can make an average person just listening to this or that's only got a handful of hours every week 
can easily get them in the game. Uh, it's just absolutely the lowest barrier of entry. And without running up and down the streets and going out and putting bandit signs up or having to do it in their local neighborhood, none of that, that just doesn't, that's not the world we live in anymore. Um, this, and once you get in there, you know, get your, get beat up a little bit and kind of go through the process a little bit and kind of get, you know, get a couple scars, uh, you know, trying to put some deals together. You will come out of it to your point with a wealth of knowledge and understanding of not only how simple the process is, but some of the vocabulary, some of the processes, some of the things that will ultimately you'll decide, Hey, is this something that I believe in and that I can go and want to invest in myself and learn more about, or, you know, I don't like this, but the low barrier of entry, the low bar, the low amount of risk, the high amount of reward, 100% wholesaling is where I would tell somebody to start. I love that. Now, Kent, I love talking about my failures and maybe to my detriment a little bit too much, um, but I know that we always love to paint the brightest and the rosiest picture on our lives and what's going on. And, you know, up until this point in this podcast, Kent, we've heard all the great things that you've, you seemingly have the golden touch on everything you touch, you experience, you, you're figuring things out as you should, and you're starting things as the, as things are coming alive. It's just amazing. But when in your journey, have you experienced failure? Maybe it wasn't failure. Maybe it was just apparent failure. And how has that failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite? Getting failure? run out of a $1.8 billion a year business that you spent 13 years building and then going bankrupt two years later, I'm going to say it was a pretty big failure. Um, that is a very, very tough pill to swallow. Right. And although I didn't file for bankruptcy, I should have filed. I just had too much pride. I just chose to lose everything instead, like a moron. Um, I didn't protect myself at all. I had too much pride and paid everybody that I owed money to off personally until I got all the way down to $4,000 in the bank. Uh, I don't mind telling you at that point in my life, I was absolutely suicidal. I had lost every single thing. I was divorced. I had spent 13 years building a business. Um, my son, you know, seven years old, hardly recognized me. Um, I'd worked tirelessly to build this thing. My entire reputation, my entire sense of self-worth, everything I knew or loved was wrapped up inside of this. And so, um, effectively getting into a run in and, and run out of that business and then being such a moron that I decided to go toe to toe and battle with my former partners for 22 months, like an idiot until they just bled me to death was nothing I'm proud of, but I'm so grateful I went through it but it is nothing I would wish upon my worst enemy. Um, I have been at the deepest levels of despair, I can assure you. And failure has happened to me, and it's not failure. These are lessons, right? Um, the struggle is real, right? The struggle and, and the kicks in the teeth happen every single day. I, I've been able to reposition it in my life to where I actually look at it as the good stuff, right? Um, you know, I started a company a couple of years ago uh, that – Raised, raised a lot of money, brought on partners, a company called Cribs, went very, very hard in the paint, tried to bring a new technology platform, got it as close to the finish line as you could possibly get. Mm. Um, and it closed 60 days after it opened, after we finally launched it, right? So 18 months in the work, built the entire platform, 60 days in the market, our financial partners pulled the money, had to fire everybody. 60 days after that, COVID hit, the platform would have been the perfect um, would have been the absolute perfect fit for this particular market. Nobody had a crystal ball. Nobody could see it, but it was an entire platform where you could buy and sell houses 
uh, virtually right over your phone and right over your laptop. And so it would have been the holy grail of what was going on here. Just wasn't wasn't meant to be. And if how you're you, not, how do, how do you, how, I imagine like the different personalities can experience that in a negative way. How do you take that knowing that especially the potential of a business like that and continue to move forward after you know that, hey, this just barely missed my grasp. What's the alternative? It's that simple, right? Look, in the big picture, I've been to Haiti. I, I, I've built an entire village in Haiti for 50 families that had nothing, right? There, if you go to Haiti, there is a village right outside of uh, Port-au-Prince called the REWW Boardroom Village. We spent 50, we built houses for 50 families, spent $250,000 for people that have nothing, right? Big picture, my worst failings, my worst day, my worst kick in the teeth is their best day. They pray for the problems I've got. They pray for the problems of, oh my God, you know, my air conditioning isn't working great. And these are people who have nothing, brother. They don't have fresh water. I mean, they do now, but before then they didn't have fresh water, don't have a toilet, don't have a bed, don't have a house, don't have, they're literally living in a uh, blue tarped house underneath a, you know, underneath trees. And what you and I would call a makeshift tent, they call a home. That is not some transient thing from this is where they live and raise their children and begging for food every day, hoping something happens in their life. I mean, and here I am, have the nerve, the gall to complain about anything, anything. Um, It doesn't, that's, that's, it's perspective. It's understanding that, look, I've been, we've all have, anybody that's listening to this has been, is you are here at an amazing time in an amazing place. You have, in all likelihood, you are healthy. You have air in your lungs. You have blood running through your veins. You can walk up and down the street. You got a car to drive to the, to the office, you're watching or listening to this on a computer, you're trying to improve yourself, compare it to 90% of the world, you're so far ahead of the game just by right now, it's one of those situations where shut the hell up, sit down and get to work. You have an opportunity to actually make your dreams come true. Do you know how many people in this world don't? And that's the way I get through it. Anytime I try to just start throwing a pity party, I remember people would beg for my problems, beg for my problems. Right. Does it make it any I mean, I'm not trying to be cavalier. I still have to solve big problems. I still have to go out and do what I need to do in the world. I still have to take care of my family, whatever. But in the big picture, you know, get a little perspective uh, is the conversation I'm having with myself. Last but not least, before the final round, Kent, when you again, I just imagine that because you have so many different things going, you just let me know about another business there. You're, you, again, you're operating in a facet that can be overwhelming. Right. Um, when you feel overwhelmed, maybe you feel unfocused or maybe you've lost focus temporarily. What do you do to get yourself back in alignment? And if it helps, what questions do you ask yourself? Uh, I have a tendency to center myself every day. You know, I sit down, I meditate before I do anything. Uh, I take time for the gym every morning. Uh, allow myself to breathe and think and kind of collect my thoughts. I make sure that my family is the first priority every day, which has a tendency to center me as well. Um, and then I have a very, uh, specific agenda for everything I'm going to accomplish in the day, my time block, everything. I'm very disciplined with my time. 
Um, I understand exactly what's going to happen and when it's going to happen down to every 15 minutes. And that's the way that I, it allows me to operate extremely efficiently, including, by the way, you know, having lunch with my wife or free time with my kids or, you know, nothing is on my calendar work related before 930 in the morning. That is all my family time prior to that. Um, and the same thing, I schedule everything. And what that does is that some people may listen to that like, God, man, this guy's just a rigid, you know, prick. No, what's happened is it gives me calm, it gives me peace. I know it's on the calendar. I know it's coming. I understand that in this moment, what I need to be focused on. So therefore I don't have to think about the next moment and the next moment and the next, because it's all there for me. And if you can get enough discipline to map out, you know, start with a week, you know, just start mapping out what the next week is. I mean, we all have digital calendars at this point. It literally map out your next year or next month for sure. And fill in every detail and just understand that the more disciplined you are with your time, the more time you will have. This episode is brought to you by PropStream. Oh, before PropStream. Before PropStream, I struggled with subpar list providers that overcharged, wasted gas going to the county courthouse only for them to run out of CD-ROM copies of this month's liens list. I wrongly estimated repair costs or just simply lacked the access to the MLS that I truly needed to get deals done. I mean, it was a nightmare networking with realtors hoping to get access to their software. To make things worse, I did marketing on a bunch of different platforms, all of which, by the way, came with the monthly costs. And I would grab my CD-ROM, I would head home, I would convert it, I would upload the list to a skip trace service, and then a ringless voicemail service, and then a postcard service, and so on. Wasting hours and missing potential deals. By the time I was finally in a position to talk to a seller, my leads were stale, and I had to start over again since I wasn't able to get real-time updates of properties that sold or were taken off the market. Lots of real estate investors are in this position, and lots of real estate investors are losing. Last year, I specifically brought PropStream specialists in-house to revamp our lead generation systems, and it was instantly a game changer. Not only is PropStream one system that houses all my leads and is updated in real time, but this system has MLS-level data, even in non-disclosure states like Texas, where I invest. So now we run our own comps, our own rehab estimates, our own title searches, all of this in one app. Yes, one single app. And here's the kicker. That just scratches the surface of the power of this app. We also generate all of our leads lists with this app, from pre-foreclosures to bankruptcy and tax liens, bye-bye county courthouse. And then once we have those dynamic lists, we can also use PropStream to market to those leads with postcards, email marketing, voice drops, and they even throw in unlimited number of landing pages so that you can have a site up and running in less than three minutes. Obviously, something like this should cost easily hundreds or thousands of dollars, but for less than a hundred dollars a month, you could own the most powerful real estate tool that I've probably ever seen. For the listeners of this show, make sure you head over to beforethemillions.com forward slash deal. That's D-E-A-L, beforethemillions.com forward slash deal for a few dollars off of your monthly subscription. I went from seven different apps to operate my business down to two once I made the switch to PropStream. And more than anything, really, it's provided me and my team with more clarity and peace of mind. That link again is beforethemillions.com forward slash deal to gain access to the all-in-one real estate tool that'll transform your business. Lifestyle Design Acceleration Hacks. What is your favorite 
Before the Millions book? Uh, the Alchemist. Easy. Paulo Coelho. One, one liner. Why is it your favorite Before the Millions book? Easy read, non-business. It's a parable. Um, and you will quickly realize um, your value in the world by the time you get to it. The entire time you're reading it, you're going to be thinking, what in the heck was Kent think, talking about? And on the last page, you're going to be like, oh, I got it. It's that kind I of book. I love it. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or a tool. Um, probably still Evernote. I mean, I still, I'm a big notes guy and I, and I still, I'm always in there. I'm always, whether it's uh, news clippings or whether it's video clippings or whether it's just leaving notes for myself. I mean, I'm a very, I'm a big, big note user uh, and I'm constantly referencing. Absolutely love Evernote. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? Um, my family, you know, I did it wrong the first time. The second time I didn't do that. I made sure I prioritized um, my little girls and, and getting to, when we're not in COVID, getting to walk them to school or do, you know, just carve out the moments, right? My first go around, I was in the business of, of you know, thank God social media wasn't wasn't out there when I was running the $1.8 billion year company or else I would have definitely been the douchebag that had the, posting the pictures of the cars and the watches and everything else for sure. Um, Cause I was him. I just didn't have a way of showing it to anybody else except a handful of people. Right. Um, I figured out in the second go around in life is uh, I'm in the business of collecting moments, baby. I'm not in the business of collecting crap. And so I think that, that making, making the family and friends and the moments, the priority is, is what it's all about. Put that on a holiday card. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Um, the sacrifices I knew I had to make. Uh, I, I'll tell you a great one is, you know, when you're, when you're building something and you are in hustler mode, meaning you're trying to, you're trying to make the money. Uh, it's really, really challenging to sacrifice the money and turn your head towards building a business. And those are two different things. And so putting, putting the systems and the processes and the people and the leverage in place and taking the time to go and do all that stuff at the expense of what is, you know, and a lot of times revenue five feet in front of your face, that's a big, that's a big hit. But in the long run, it grows everything exponentially. So hmm. I would say that that's a sacrifice that everybody's got to be willing to make. Hmm. One example that comes to mind, I don't know why, um, but I mean, the IPO of DoorDash and the IPO of Airbnb, right? I mean, these companies, their entire lives, they operate at a net loss, their entire mm -hmm. lives. But I mean, you and I both know that Airbnb, I mean, they, what, what's their overhead? Employees, technology, right? right? There's no reason, there's no legit, I mean, I can't say legit, but you know what I mean? There's no reason why they can't be profitable, massively profitable, but they operate at a net loss until the IPO and you know, get their, get their investors money eventually because they know how big they want to build the business because they want to pour all that revenue over the past 11 years or however long back into the business to grow it even bigger. So I think that's spot on. I love that. Um, who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? Uh, without question, it had to be my wife, right? So when I, when I walked away from the, um, the billion dollar empire and started off, I'd just gotten divorced. I was kind of, like I said, extremely beat up, took two years of uh, trying to 
make things happen, couldn't make them happen. And at my lowest point, my uh, a young lady approached me and said, hey, I saw what you did over there. I know you're a good guy. We should uh, maybe go out on a date. Or you know it, fast forward, you know, 17 years later, we've been married. And I mean, she completely saved me in that moment and uh, believed in me at a place where I didn't believe in myself. And so to say that anybody else would be, you know, blasphemy. She is, uh, she has been essential the whole journey. I love that. Last but not least, Kent, why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? Because you have a complete lack of respect for time and you have a complete lack of respect for the effort that is required. And so I'll explain both. Uh, Let's start with the effort. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and, and, you know, the, the way I would phrase it to everybody listening is I would much rather have ignorance on fire than knowledge on ice. I've run into a lot of really, really overeducated broke people. And I've run into a lot of people that are complete morons that are multimillionaires. Right. And it's all about action. It's not about knowledge. Right. It's all about just getting in the game. And in order to get in the game, you have to have a really good understanding of what is required. And it would sound absolutely insane to you if I told you that I've watched every uh, YouTube video, I've listened to every podcast, and I've read every book about MMA fighting. So I think I'm ready to get in the, in the ring. Well, let's go. You know, put me in the championship right now. Um, you would think I'm insane. And you'd be right. And, but people do that with business all the time. Mm. They sit there and think they're going to watch more videos and listen to more podcasts and read more books. And mm. eventually I'm going to know enough that I'm going to be ready to be a champion. And the reality is it doesn't work like that. At some point, you've got to step your ass in the ring. At some point, you're going to have to get in there and get punched in the face. And you're going to have to roll around on the ground. And you're going to have to get choked out a couple of times. And you're going to have to, you have to go back to a coach and have a coach tell you what's, what you're doing wrong. You may have to watch a little tape, right? That's what it takes. The reps is what it takes. Business is the exact same way. You're never, ever, ever going to read enough, listen to enough, or watch enough to know what to do but unless you actually do it. you got to get in the game. And when you get in there, you got to expect to get hit and you got to expect to get hit a lot. Those are not failures. They're just hits. It's all they are. It's just part of the process. But those hits teach you what to do and what not to do. And it is part of the journey. Embrace the struggle. Now, that's, that's the effort. The, the other part of it is that walking around thinking you have time on your hands is completely irresponsible. Um, you know, there's somebody today, a husband or wife, that their significant other did not wake up today. But yet they thought they would. They went to bed last night and said, I'll get to that tomorrow. But tomorrow didn't come. I'll get to that next week. But next week isn't going to come. Next month, next year. It is utterly ridiculous to me that anybody would sit around and con themselves and believing that somehow tomorrow, next week, next month is, is, any, is promised. I would highly encourage everybody that's listening to this. If you're a man, you should write the number 78 at the top of a page and you're current age below it. If you're a woman, 82, and then your current age below it and subtract your current age. The average American man lives to 78. Average American female lives to 82. When you subtract your age from your your current age from that, you find out right there real quick. That's how many statistically speaking years you have left on this planet. Now go multiply it times 365 and you'll look in a very real way Mm -hmm. how many days you have left on this planet, statistically speaking, right? Go put those up on a whiteboard. Go put those up on a bathroom mirror with a dry erase marker. And every day, just erase one and see every day tick away and understand that you get a choice in what every one of those days look like. And 
sitting around telling yourself in any way that somehow it's going to happen. Somehow I'll get the courage. Somehow one day I'll get to this is just completely ridiculous. There's a reason why it says the time is now behind me. It says it on my shirt. For those of you who can't see it, I've got it tattooed on my arm. I've got it on my wristband. I believe in this. Um, this is, you know, I've had a lot of really intense experiences losing a big business. You know, I was in a, in a, um, uh, an emergency landing with an airplane with my family that, that really kind of jarred me and jolted me and helped me understand that life can be taken away from me instantly. Held my hand, held the hand of my mentor uh, of 30 years when he passed away and had millions of dollars in the bank. And all he was asking for is one more day. And those millions of dollars could not get that day back for him. I understand what time is. And I think that when you put those two things in place, when you realize that time's not on your side and that you ha- and then ultimately you're going to have to get in the game because you owe it to yourself, that's a deadly combination. And that's how you get stuff done. Can't, I couldn't ask for a better closing. That was absolutely amazing. Um, if the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, find out a little bit more about what you guys going on, say hi to you, peep in, do some research, find your products. Where can they find some of your information? The easiest place to find me is on social. So just go to Instagram and it's at Kent Clothier or just go to Facebook and uh, look up Kent Clothier. I'm right there. Make sure you're looking for the blue check marks. We do have some people that try to hijack our accounts every once in a while, but uh, you look for the blue check marks and I will uh, ab- absolutely... Uh, Love to hear from you and be happy to help you in any way I can. One additional question to that. When are you getting on Clubhouse? <laughs> we are. We Our whole team is actively looking at all the different things, all the different platforms. Dude, we try to juggle so much right now, but we have to. We just know, we just haven't done it yet. We know Absolutely. we have to. I'm, we're, I, look, I, I, I totally resonate with that. And so many people were all trying to jump on and figure it out. But I, I get it. And I can't wait to, for you to get on. Can't, this has been an absolute pleasure. Cannot wait to get this out to the listeners. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. All right, brother. Peace, my friend. Take care.